Chapter Five of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Face of God falls in with menfolk on the mountain. Now he plodded on steadily, and for a long time the forest changed but little, and of wild things he saw only a few of those that loved the closest covert. The ground still went up and up, though its wilds were hollows and steeper bents out of them again, and the half blind path or slot still led past the close thickets and fallen trees, and he made way without let or hindrance. At last, once more, the wood began to thin, and the trees themselves to be smaller and gnarled and ill-grown. Therewithal the day was waning, and the sky was quite clear again as the afternoon grew into a fair autumn evening. Now the trees failed altogether, and the slope, grown steeper, was covered with heather and ling, and looking up, he saw before him, quite near by seeming, in the clear even, though indeed they were yet far away, the snowy peaks flushed with the sinking sun against the frosty dark grey eastern sky, and below them the dark rock mountains, and below these again, and nigh to him indeed, the fells covered with pine woods, and looking like a wall to the heaths he trod. He stayed a little while and turned his head to look at the way whereby he had come, but that way a swell of the oak forest hid everything but the wood itself, making a wall behind him as the pine wood made a wall before. There came across him then a sharp memory of the boding woods which Stoneface had spoken last night, and he felt as if he were now indeed within the trap. But presently he laughed and said, I am a fool, this comes of being alone in the dark wood and the dismal waste, after the merry faces of the dale had swept away my foolish musings of yesterday and the day before. Lo, here I stand, a man of the face, sword and axe by my side. If death come, it can but come once, and if I fear not death, what shall make me afraid? The gods hate me not, and will not hurt me, and they are not ugly, but beauteous. Therewith he strode on again, and soon came to a place where the ground sank into a shallow valley, and the ling gave place to grass for a while, and there were tall old pines scattered about, and betwixt them grey rocks. This he passed through, climbing a steep bent out of it, and the pines were all about him now, though growing wide apart, till at last he came to where they thickened into a wood, not very close, where through he went merrily, singing to himself and swinging his spear. He was soon through this wood, and came on to a wide, well-grassed wood lawn, hedged by the wood aforesaid on three sides, but sloping up slowly towards the black wall of the thicker pine wood on the fourth side and about half a furlong over thwart and end-long. The sun had set while he was in the last wood, but it was still broad daylight on the wood lawn, and as he stood there he was ware of a house under the pine wood on the other side, built long and low, much like the houses of the woodland carls, but rougher fashioned and of unhewn trees. He gazed on it and said aloud to himself, as his wont was, Marvellous! Here is a dwelling of man, scarce a day's journey from Burgstead, yet have I never heard tell of it. May happen some of the woodland carls have built it, and are on some errand of hunting peltries up in the mountains, or maybe are seeking copper and tin among the rocks. Well, at least let us go see what manner of men dwell there, and if they are minded for a guest to-night, for fain were I of a bed beneath a roof, and of a board with strong meat and drink on it. Therewith he set forward, not heeding much that the wood he had passed through was hard on his left hand. But he had gone but twenty paces when he saw a red thing at the edge of the wood, 
and then a glitter and a spear came whistling forth, and smote his own spear so hard close to the steel that it flew out of his hand. Then came a great shout, and a man clad in a scarlet kirtle ran forth on him. Face of God had his axe in his hand in a twinkling, and ran at once to meet his foe, but the man had the hill on his side as he rushed on with a short sword in his hand. Axe and sword clashed together for a moment of time, and then both the men rolled over on the grass together, and face of God, as he fell, deemed that he heard the shrill cry of a woman. Now face of God found that he was the nethermost, for if he was strong, yet was his foe stronger. The axe had flown out of his hand also, while the strange man still kept a hold of his short sword, and presently, though he still struggled all he could, he saw the man draw back his hand to smite with the said sword, and at that nick of time the foeman's knee was on his breast, his left hand was doubled back behind him, and his right wrist was gripped hard in the stranger's left hand. Even therewith his ears, sharpened by the coming death, heard the sound of footsteps and fluttering raiment drawing near. Something dark came between him and the sky. There was the sound of a great stroke, and the big man loosened his grip and fell off him to one side. Face of God leapt up and ran to his axe and got hold of it, but turning round found himself face to face with a tall woman, holding in her hand a stout staff like the limb of a tree. She was calm and smiling, though forsooth it was she who had stricken the stroke and stayed the sword from his throat. His hand and axe dropped down to his side when he saw what it was that faced him, and that the woman was young and fair. So he spake to her and said, What aileth, maiden? Is this man thy foe? Doth he oppress thee? Shall I slay him? She laughed and said, Thou art open-handed in thy proffers. He might have asked the like concerning thee but a minute ago. Yea, yea, said Goldmane, laughing also, but he asked it not of thee. That is sooth, she said, but since thou hast asked me, I will tell thee that if thou slay him, it will be my harm as well as his, and in my country a man that taketh a gift is not wont to break the giver's head with it straightway. The man is my brother, or stranger, and presently, if thou wilt, thou mayst be eaten at the same board with him, and if thou wilt, thou mayst go thy ways unhurt into the wood. But I had liefer of the twain that thou wert in our house to-night, for thou hast a wrong against us. Her voice was sweet and clear, and she spake the last words kindly and drew somewhat nigher to Goldmane. Therewithal the smitten man sat up and put his hand to his head, and quoth he, Angry is my sister, good it is to wear the helm abroad when she shaketh the nut-trees. Nay, said she, it is thy look that thou wert bare-headed, else I have been forced to smite thee on the face. Thou churl, since when hath it been our want to thrust knives into a guest, who is come of great kin, a man of gentle heart and fair face? Come hither and hansel him self-doom for thy fool's onset. The man rose to his feet and said, Well, sister, Lee said soonest mended. A clout on the head is worse than a woman's chiding. But since ye have given me one, ye may forbear the other. Therewith he drew near to them. He was a very big-made man, most stalwart, with dark red hair and a thin pointed beard. His nose was straight and fine, his eyes grey and well opened, but somewhat fierce withal. Yet was he in no wise evil-looking. He seemed some thirty summers old. He was clad in a short scarlet kirtle, a goodly garment with a hood of like web, 
pulled off his head onto his shoulders. He bore a great gold ring on his left arm, and a collar of gold came down onto his breast from under his hood. As for the woman, she was clad in a long white linen smock, and over it a short gown of dark blue woollen, and she had skin shoes on her feet. Now the man came up to face of God, and took his hand, and said, I deem thee a foe, and I may not have over many foes alive, but it seems that thou art to be a friend, and that is well and better. So herewith I hansel thee self-doom in the matter of the onslaught. Then face of God laughed, and said, The doom is soon given forth. Against the tumble on the grass I set the clout on the head. There is naught left over to pay to any man's son. Said the scarlet-clad man, Belike by thine eyes thou art a true man, and wilt not beray me. Now is there no foreman here, but rather may be a friend, both now and in time to come. Therewith he cast his arms about face of God and kissed him. But face of God turned about to the woman and said, Is the peace wholly made? She shook her head and said soberly, Nay, thou art too fair for a woman to kiss. He flushed red, as his wont was when a woman praised him, yet was his heart full of pleasure and well-liking. But she laid her hand on his shoulder and said, Now it is for thee to choose betwixt the wild wood and the hall, and whether thou wilt be a guest or a wayfarer this night. As she touched him, there took hold of him a sweetness of pleasure he had never felt erst, and he answered, I will be thy guest and not thy stranger. Come then, she said, and took his hand in hers, so that he scarce felt the earth under his feet as they went all three together toward the house in the gathering dusk, while eastward, where the peaks of the great mountains dipped, was a light that told of the rising of the moon. End of chapter 5